Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am not going to lie to you. I don't know what's up and what's down right now. I just got back from Jacksonville yesterday, rolled right into Halloween with my kids, rolled right into Game 5 of the World Series after that. I think I've probably slept, you know, 11 or 12 hours in the last three days, it feels like. But listen, here's the one thing I do know. Dogs on top. This is the one thing I do know. Back again, running things when it comes to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, putting those lousy, stinking gators where they need to be, which is way into Georgia's rearview mirror. And once again, on top, on the east, reigning as SEC champ, SEC East champs. I don't know much right now. As I said before, I'm a little bleary-eyed. I haven't slept all that much and just kind of trying to make sense of the world. But the two things I am very well aware of, Georgia beats Florida again. Doesn't that feel good? I know Eddie, who's on the desk with us here, and all the other Gator Hater paraphernalia that we'll be bringing out here over the course of the next few days. I, I know that feels good again in our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. And the fact that the ticket has been punched. No one's ever punched it sooner, by the way. The ticket's been punched to Atlanta for the SEC championship game coming up in December it feels good to be saying all of that and we like rivalry games around here obviously Georgia pushes for championship and that's a big deal but you never need a reason to beat a hated rival sometimes it's like the old line about Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali sometimes it's just two teams fighting for the championship of each other and there's always going to be a degree of Georgia Florida which is about that and I've said this before that if, if you only watch the game on TV, and obviously for some people that's all they can do, and I, I, I get that, but you should know this, that when the game is over, the TV broadcast ends. They go back to the studio for the post game, or they just get out of the TV and go on to other programming, but they leave the field. But when you're in the stadium, you see the celebration that takes place. And I, I tried to retweet some of this this weekend. Kirby Smart running around. Players always love the kind of Lambo leap style thing they do to kind of get to the to the stands. They they hug the fans. There is a lot of high fiving from Kirby Smart. There is genuine relaxation, and there's this genuine moment of we're gonna stop. We're gonna enjoy this. We're gonna appreciate this. Kirby and these players allow themselves to do that in the, in the midst of the grind of, of a tough season. They allow themselves to celebrate. It feels good to win a game like this. It feels good to win a rivalry game. And Smart may say, we try to celebrate them all, but the truth is they don't quite celebrate them all as, as deeply as they'll celebrate this one. If you're watching on video, you see some of those great photos of just how much fun they're having and the smiles all the way around. I mean, how cool is that for those Georgia fans to get that close to these Georgia players and, and be with them there that moment? It really is a chance for Dog Nation players, fans, everything else to all come together and enjoy all of that I just think that's such a great thing to be able to see and it's what rivalry games are all about and we love that around here we like winning rivalry games we think this Georgia team even though it's got its sights set on bigger things before the season's done it ought to stop and it ought to have the kind of fun that it's having right now to look at that smile on Kirby Smart's face who you know pushes and grinds himself so hard uh, to, to give him a chance to just relax, you know, you know, tip your cap to the crowd, you know, give a big smile. I, I just think that's, that's awesome all the way around. And let's also be honest here. When it comes to a rivalry, there is all <laughs> – look at Dan Mullen. <laughs> Dan Mullen forced to, uh, uh, forced to just watch it all take place. If you're not watching on the video, I realize you don't see those images. But, man, that is, uh, that is good stuff. And as I was saying – when it comes to a rivalry, there is also something about not only are you happy that you're happy, but you're also happy your rival is sad. 
you're happy for bad things to happen to them. That's just the nature of it. It's what competition's all, all, all about. Not only do you want to win, it's kind of nice to have a foe, and you don't want good things to happen for that foe. Because the SEC, there's always going to be a degree of zero-sum game going on. In other words, good for you means bad for somebody else. That, that you're taking food off someone's table when you yourself achieve at the highest level. And when, they, when the opposite happens, they're taking something from you. That's why SEC football is always so fun, because the stakes are so high. Good things for me means awful things for the, for the people around me. And Kirby Smart's very well aware of that. And on Saturday night, and I'll give Connor Riley, our, our buddy from Dog Nation, a lot of credit for this. The press conference nearly over. Connor asked a question and actually ended up being probably the most interesting thing that Kirby Smart said during his press conference. Now, I'm about to play the audio for you, and here's the thing you got to understand. What Smart says here is factually true, and this is one of those evergreen quotes that could be brought back up again over the course of time, and it will, because what Smart says is factually true about the value of recruiting. But here's the thing you got to understand. In light of where we are on this Monday, just after seeing Georgia beat Florida, while Smart's statement that you're about to hear factually true and will remain true in perpetuity going into the future, there is an additional context when Smart says this after having just beaten Florida. Because so many of you are aware of the narrative, and we've talked about this many times before. There's this belief that Kirby Smart may get better players, but Dan Mullen is a genius. Dan Mullen is a wizard. Nobody knows how to take... The X's and O's, you put some chalk in his hand and get him on the board, and he's drawing up plays, or he's drawing them up in the dirt. Oh, my gosh, Dan Mullen just gets more out of less than any coach in college football. And just praise, 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 praise for what a diabolical genius Dan Mullen supposedly is. And I don't think we have to stretch our imagination very much to assume that Kirby Smart probably rolls his eyes at that whole thing. So when Smart was asked, and you saw five-star Nolan Smith, you know, forcing turnovers. You saw five-star Nicobe Dean get an interception for a touchdown. You know, Trayvon Walker shows up big in a game like this. Over and over again, you could go kind of highlighting the former elite recruits that really put their stamp on Georgia's win against Florida. So when Connor Riley, very, very good question, when Connor Riley asked Kirby Smart, hey, you know, what do you think it is that makes you such a good recruiter in light of the fact that that recruiting success seemingly just propelled Georgia to victory against Florida? Smart could have sidestepped that. Smart could have demurred on that. But Smart took it head on. And the way in which Smart really exaggerates this point, I think it's fairly obvious that there's a subtweet here of twisting the knife in Dan Mullen, rubbing some salt in the wound for Dan Mullen because Mullen is clearly not as good at this facet of the game as Kirby Smart is. And it's fairly, I think, obvious to hear a few veiled references to what some have maybe said about Dan Mullen and what Kirby Smart had to say. So on a day we're happy to see the dogs beat the Gators, statements like this from Kirby frankly make it even more fun. Listen to this. You have to. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting. Okay, I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they have good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation, that's 50% recruiting, and another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They got good football players. And 
That's the reason I believe in recruiting, and I believe you better always be recruiting, always be recruiting, because if you're not, somebody else is. So real quickly here, I actually think it's kind of interesting and certainly commendable that after getting a big win against Florida, 34-7, to dominant win, Smart's influence on defense, the defense really leading the way for that, that's an opportunity for some coaches to pat themselves on the back. Well, listen, we're just – you know, remember what uh, Charlie Weiss once said when he was a Notre Dame coach about how we're going to have a decided schematic advantage in every game that we play. You know, coaches have said this kind of thing in the past, basically shining the spotlight on themselves for why they're so good. But smart with what he says right there shines the spotlight on his players. We're so good defensively because our players are so good. Not because I'm so smart, even though that's my last name. Not because I'm so smart, but because the players themselves are so good. So there's actually kind of a humble nature in what smart has to say there. But there is also a little bit of unspoken context. Remember last week on the show, we talked about Dan Mullen getting heat for not recruiting during the bye week, at least not being seen on the road there. Now, it's commonly believed that some of the NCAA sanctions that Florida was dealt few months ago the reason why Mullen wasn't on the road this past weekend or I should say the bye week weekend but either way he just wasn't there and so when Kirby Smart says listen when I'm out there visiting with all these recruits and I'm on the road all the time I'm sacrificing my family time to be out with these recruits obviously inviting the question of well Dan Mullen why aren't you doing that more is it because you don't want to is it because by NCAA sanctions you're not allowed to there's really no easy answer for that but it shines the spotlight on what a hated rival like Florida's not doing on the recruiting trail and for those of us who obviously get tired of hearing Dan Mullen praise for being such a genius the fact that Smart says listen you're not going to outcoach good players when I have better players than you and when I work so hard to get those players I'm going to beat you more often than not and yes there may be a pandemic year and yes there may be a bunch of injuries and yes there may be kind of a weird confluence of events that create some crazy fluke but time over time the team with the better players is going to emerge more often than not victorious and I think Kirby Smart deserves to say everything that he just said right there but here's the thing that Smart couldn't have known here's what Smart could not have known is that almost simultaneous to Smart being asked a relatively innocuous question near the end of a press conference giving himself a chance to kind of go on a little bit of a soapbox there is that Dan Mullen was facing some of the same questions from his own reporters during his own press conference, because it is fairly obvious that Florida, from a talent standpoint, especially maybe defensive line of scrimmage for sure, but just kind of across the program, it is obvious that Florida just does not play in the same universe as Georgia when it comes to talent on the roster, and reporters around the program in Gainesville are noticing that. They've got Gators fans asking them, hey, how come Florida doesn't have any better players? And frankly, the media is probably getting tired of fielding those questions from fans, so they're just turning that right around. Yeah, Dan, tell us, why don't you have better players right now? So there were a couple juicy moments from the uh, post-game press conference on Saturday for Dan Mullen. I'll acknowledge this right now. This is not classy. Like rubbing Florida's face in this loss uh, is not a classy thing to do. But you know what? Every now and then we just kind of have to kind of give ourselves some grace to have a little bit of fun. So we are going to revel in Dan Mullen's misery for a moment. And I, I guess I apologize to anyone who's offended by that. But the point is, he took a couple of uh, friendly fire type questions from his, some of his own reporters about why it is that Dan Mullen doesn't seem to be able to burn the candle at both ends on a recruiting standpoint quite as well as Kirby Smart can. So let's uh, take a moment to enjoy this. I believe I've included the questions for all of this because it's really the awkward nature of the question and Dan Mullen kind of stumbling and bumbling his way through the answer that makes all of this so perfect. So here's the first one, Dan Mullen being pressed on the lack of talent he has in Gainesville right now. This is from Saturday night. Yeah, Dan, from a, uh, from a big picture standpoint, do you feel like your staff is holding the rope well enough in recruiting right now? Uh, in recruiting? I, you know, I don't know. We just finished the game. It's a game day today. So, um, 
yeah, we got to we got to continue to recruit harder. We got to continue to get better. Uh, we got to continue to get great players. Uh, I think our guys recruit hard. Um, you know, we got to find guys who get that fit the Gator standard to come be a part of this, and uh, you know, and are excited to come play for the Gators and have that. You know, guys that have that great energy that are have that great desire to come play for the Gators. <laughs> This is a game day. I don't want to talk about recruiting right now, but being forced to. Uh, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta recruit harder. We gotta do better. I mean, don't you love hearing Mullen squirm, knowing everything that he's kind of said over the years, knowing everything that's been said about him over the years. Don't you just kind of love hearing Dan Mullen squirm on that just a little bit? And credit, listen, the Florida media has actually been pretty good this year because they push Mullen a, a couple times. So that's one moment during the press conference. And another reporter later on had a chance to kind of circle back on this topic, and he pressed him even harder. In fact, this actually led to a pretty interesting exchange here, probably the best moment of the press conference all, all overall. Here's Mullen getting a little more heat for where things kind of stand from a talent standpoint right now. And credit to, a, a, I guess, a good reporter here for, for not letting this issue go. Here's more with Mullen. How big do you think the talent gap is between these two programs right now? Uh, well, we were better last year, and they were better this year. I would. I mean, I, what do you think? Uh, that's. <laughs> Did you want to answer that? No, I don't. You, you sure? If you, I mean, that's. I mean, you're gonna. You can do do what you got to do right there. But I think last year we were able to win. This year we weren't. So I don't know. That's where it is. There is no bigger loser talk in the world than after losing a big game, being asked why you lost it, to have the coach in question say, yeah, but did you see what we did last year? Can you imagine Kirby Smart ever saying anything like that? Hey, what, what about last year? What about that 8-4 and four season we put together last year? How do you like me now on that? 8-4 and four a year ago, uh, got a win against a depleted Georgia team. How good did last year feel? Like, who talks that way? Who talk, but, but, but pushing that aside for a moment. I know it's very hard to hear this because the reporters themselves are not mic'd up. Uh, Mullen clearly is mic'd up. But um, when Mullen, on the subject of the how, how talented Florida is, when he says, I don't know, what do you think? And you can't really hear the reporter on this, but it's like a deadpan response, and it's so perfect. When Mullen goes, I don't know, what do you think? The reporter goes, do you really want me to answer that? That is such a great moment. I mean, that is so perfect. Because right now, when Florida fans are asked that question by Dan Mullen, what do you think about the current state of our team? What do you think the current state of our talent? Florida fans don't think it's good enough. We said this going into last week, that another big win for Georgia could really push Dan Mullen into some very shaky ground with his own fans. And right now that's happening. Listen, there's a lot to get into with what's happening in Georgia right now. And now that the rivalry game is over, Georgia sort of sets its sights on a championship season that is still potentially to come. But just for a moment, let's pause on this and say that on Saturday, in terms of the personal rivalry between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen, in terms of the, the team rivalry between Georgia and Florida, on Saturday, when you look at that final score, when you f remember how it felt to walk out of that stadium in Jacksonville, on Saturday night, things could not have worked out much better than they did. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window in Door of Georgia. It is great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref Podcast. 
the Apple Player, Spotify, the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. So many different ways for you to hear our show, watch our show, whatever you want to do. And we are glad to have you with us as we do it. Also, big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of George Megan All Possible. You know, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. And listen, it's cold. It was cold last night. My uh, son woke up this morning so mad at me. He says, I keep the house too cold. And so uh, uh, for a lot of people, you know, when that, when that cold weather's on the outside, you want to keep it on the outside. And when you turn that heat on the inside, you build a fire in the fireplace or you crank up the uh, furnace, whatever you're doing, you want to keep that warm energy on the inside of your house. That's where it belongs. And so that's what better windows and doors can do for you. It also makes your house look better. You know, when you're trick-or-treating, you can't help but subtly judge your neighbors of how does their house look like on the outside. Well, better windows and doors can certainly help you with all of that. And that's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can provide for you. You can also get a free no-pressure consultation with an expert from Pella who can show you all of their product samples. They can talk you through the installation process and all the options available to you there. They can even give you a free quote. Also, great savings now as well. Between now and November 27th, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or payments as low as $99 a month with regular payments. All of that with our friends at Palo Window and Door of Georgia. They're also easy to get in touch with there as well. I'll give you the website and the phone number. Here's the phone number, 678-638-1496. Once again, that's 678-638-1496. Or you can check them out online, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. Just do me a favor. When you talk to them, tell them the BA from Dog Nation Daily said that I know that they will take good care of you because I, they've been doing that for folks in our audience for such a long time. All right, here in our program coming up in just a moment, we'll talk to John Stinchcomb a lot with John, including a terrific honor for John over the weekend. Now, I got a little bit of a shot of this, although I was in the press box and I was having to do it quick, but we'll give some credit to John for a really cool moment uh, coming up on Saturday. That was really fun. Or looking back to Saturday with John, that was really fun. Also a lot from John on what happened in the game this past weekend. But first, let's get to a topic that's also hot right now for UGA fans. And this is kind of moving away from the how good did it feel to beat Florida. For a lot of Georgia fans, it was a huge issue on Saturday, the fact that Stetson Bennett played at quarterback and not JT Daniels. We're around the doghouse, uh, assisted by our friends at AAA here today. We'll get into all that right now, around the doghouse, assisted by AAA. Uh, a lot of folks wondering what's going on with Stetson Bennett. Why not JT Daniels? And Look, here's the thing I want to say to acknowledge off the top of all of this. I think there's a certain sense that some Georgia fans kind of feel like they get uh, gaslit on this a little bit, where they feel like they see in certain pockets of media, maybe national media, whatever else, maybe among even some other Georgia fans, that people act like this isn't a little bit weird. And we're not going to do that around here. It is obviously weird that Stetson Bennett is now playing in front of what you at least we're led to believe, is a more healthy than he has been JT Daniels. That is obviously a little bit weird. So if you need to hear somebody say that, no matter how well Stetson Bennett's played for the weeks leading into the Florida game, if you need to hear somebody say that, yes, you are not crazy, yes, you are not seeing things that are not there, it is weird that Bennett is playing ahead of JT Daniels right now, then I will say that out loud if it needs to be said because it, it seems like that's one of the things that's driving some Georgia fans crazy is that it's not been acknowledged that the guy who was pegged as the starter before the season began, who seemingly earned that because of how he played over the course of the four, final four games last year, the fact that he's not getting that nod right now, it's at least a little bit weird if we are to believe that JT Daniels is, is actually healthy and now ready to participate again. But here's the other thing I'm going to say, and this is what's going to drive some of you crazy, but it needs to be said anyway, that just because it's weird doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. Because there are things that we see, the way that Bennett played on the field, but there are also things that we don't see. What's happening the week leading up to the game? And 
Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it isn't a consequential part of the story. And frankly, I'm not asking you to take my opinion on all of this when it comes to Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels, nor do I think you should take the opinion of any other person in the media, whether it be local, national, whatever else, and hold all that much value to any of that. But I will ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to consider the opinion of the other Georgia players. And I'm going to ask you to assume that whatever they're saying about quarterback, there must be some sort of reason that it's being said. And I'll tell you this, and we'll try to make this as quick as possible as we can. So I'm almost always in this studio, in this box here, uh, Dog Nation Royal Headquarters Studios, or I'm doing the postgame show. I'm almost never actually in a press conference. I, I mean, I've been in them before. But almost always, I'm doing something else other than participating in the press conference. So really, when it comes to press conference stuff, I'm no different than any of you. I go back and watch them on the Dog Nation YouTube page, and I'm consuming them just the same way that you are because I'm not a, uh, a, a participant in the uh, press conference. I'm just a consumer of the press conferences. And so when I'm watching things on press conferences, I, I kind of you know, put answers in certain categories. Like when... Leading into the week, guys like James Cook and Kiaris Jackson were like, yeah, we don't even really care who's back there playing quarterback. It's no different to us whether it's Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels. For the most part, I don't take that all that seriously, and I'm not saying this to disrespect James or Kiaris or anybody else who talks that way. Those seem like pre-programmed answers, whether they actually are or not. They seem like pre-programmed answers, and so they're almost too similar. They're almost too perfectly crafted to feel real to me. Once again, that's not a criticism of the players. I'm just saying – there are certain kinds of answers that you hear from press conferences that don't feel all that genuine, don't feel all that authentic. But there are also moments from press conferences where a player just sort of seems to be speaking more from the heart. And I thought we got an example of that on Saturday related to Nolan Smith because Smith, by the way, had a great game. But Smith was asked a question about, hey, the defense stepping up on a day in which the offense was struggling. Once again, it was a fairly innocuous question that Smith had every chance to – just give a, hey, we just try to take it one play at a time type answer and move on. He, No one would have noticed had he not done that. But instead, and around the doghouse assisted by AAA, you're going to get a chance to hear this. Instead, Nolan took a moment to kind of get on his own soapbox here for a moment. And if you're trying to figure out what's going on with the quarterback situation at Georgia, I think a guy like Nolan Smith's opinion ought to count for something. So the question to Nolan was, Hey, was it good? For, I'm trying to paraphrase. I won't get it exactly right. But was it good for the defense to have a good day in light of the fact that the offense was struggling? And Nolan Smith really stepped up and spoke on behalf of Stetson Bennett. This is at least very interesting. Here's Nolan. I want to say something about my, my quarterback now, Stetson Bennett, the mailman. Y'all call him a weak, weak point. I read all the stuff on media. I know I'm not supposed to. But one thing about Stetson, he just works. He don't listen to nobody. He just works. He a blue collar guy. And when you talk about trusting the guy, I, I, I trust him because he go out there and work and, and put his best foot forward every day, even though it may not look pretty to y'all, but he's getting the job done. So of all the things that Nolan says there that are interesting, the thing that's probably the most interesting to me is Nolan calls him my quarterback. Now, Maybe he's just saying whatever. Maybe he's just, you know, sometimes you get a microphone in front of you, you just sort of kind of get fired up and start talking. Maybe that's all Nolan's doing right there. Who knows? But I don't think we have any other choice other than to take him at his word, take him at face value. And for some reason right now, he thinks of Stetson Bennett as his quarterback. Now, that's not to say he doesn't think that JT Daniels is also his quarterback. Maybe he'd say the same thing. But he 
could have been forgiven for saying nothing, and he said a lot. He said, Stetson Bennett's my quarterback. He's a blue-collar guy. He's a hard worker. And I do think that that part of this discussion has to have some value, that there is certainly a risk in not playing the better of the two quarterbacks. And based on what we thought we knew before the season began, back when we thought that JT Daniels was fully healthy, we all assumed, including the Georgia coaches, that, that JT Daniels was the better of the two quarterbacks. And that may still be true. But there's another part of this, too, that just like there's a risk in not playing the better of the two quarterbacks, there is also a risk in diminishing the importance of the blue-collar mindset that Georgia has for itself right now. And I think that's a very interesting phrase for Nolan Smith to use because hard work, tenacity, seemingly is a, is a defining characteristic of this Georgia team, which has been led by its defense all season long, but the way the defense leads in that regard, I think has an influence on the entire team there as well. And Nolan Smith's words carry a lot of weight. And if you don't fully believe that yet, let's also hear one more quick clip from Kirby Smart. Because the context for this is, Smart was asked about Trayvon Walker, much like Nolan Smith, another five-star, former five-star recruit. And I'm only going to play a couple seconds, but I want to kind of use this to bolster the point I was just making of Listen to the reasons why Smart is impressed with Nolan Smith, who you just heard from, and another guy of a similar characteristic, Trayvon Walker. And that this is why their words about quarterback are going to matter. This is why their words about quarterback are going to have a lot of weight to them. This is Kirby on the guy you just heard from defending Nolan Smith. Trayvon's a leader, man. He, he He's like Nolan. He practices so hard. It's so important to him. A lot of pride uh, on this team, so entire team, but especially on the defense, too. Trayvon Walker is a leader. He's like Nolan. Nolan, the guy you just heard from, praising Stetson Bennett for being a blue-collar guy. They practice so hard. It's so important to them. To me, there's a lot to take from that. That, that there's an attitude around Georgia right now because Nolan Smith is going to be a very rich man one day, I believe, making money in the NFL. Trayvon Walker, I know for a fact he's going to be a very rich man one day, making a lot of money in the NFL. Jalen Carter the same way. Jordan Davis the same way. Devontae White the same way. Nicobe Dean the same way. you got a lot of future millionaires potentially on this Georgia defense, and yet they're all willing to share the glory. They're all willing to, to, to share the credit. They're all willing to share snaps, share stats, share everything. They are all willing to adopt a blue-collar mentality, even though they are about to one day have a white-collar bank account. That's a valuable commodity for a team. And if they think, well, Stetson Bennett has this same attitude that we have, then that's the kind of apple cart you don't want to quite turn over. And that's not to say, well, that means you don't play the better of the two quarterbacks. But it does speak to what we've been saying about JT Daniels over the course of the last few weeks that his way of winning that job back is on the practice field. The same place that Trayvon Walker and Nolan Smith and all these other guys are laying it on the line each and every day. Now that Daniels is healthy again, he has the chance to be seen doing the same things. And it's not his fault that he was injured. Really not. It's not his fault that he's been banged up. Injuries are a part of the football uh, 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 season. Injuries are a part of the sport. And Daniels, unfortunately, has dealt with a couple of those. But now that he's healthy, now that he's now that he's 
He's back and available to Georgia again. He has a chance to show himself as a former five-star, the same way that Trayvon Walker, Nolan Smith, and all these other guys are. He has a chance to show himself as a former five-star who can now occupy and uh, operate with the same blue-collar mentality that they have had there, too, to get back on the practice field and earn this the way that the rest of these guys are earning it each and every day. So if you want resolution to the quarterback situation for UGA, as we've been saying now for weeks, the path towards that resolution is on the practice field. And now that Daniels is healthy, now that Daniels is able to fully practice again, taking a big step in that direction this week, and maybe more so in the next couple of weeks, then he could be on his way to regaining that status with the rest of his team. But until that happens, it sounds like Georgia's comfortable with where it is right now, the results notwithstanding. Matt is around the doghouse. It's uh, assisted today by our friends at AAA. Of course, we're driving so much as we were over the course of this weekend. High school football on Fridays into Jacksonville on the weekend, then back home to be ready for thank, uh, Halloween after that. Obviously, AAA's legendary roadside assistance, the kind of thing we look forward to taking with us everywhere we go. Jeff Sintel and I were together here for this weekend for that, but it's also the one you want to think of and get ready for when it comes to your auto insurance as well. You can switch and save with AAA, and on average, you're going to save $529 in a time in which everything seemingly is getting more expensive, more money in your pockets, always a valuable thing. So trust my friends at AAA on that today. Switch and save with AAA, the website to go to aaa.com slash auto insurance, aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's the website to go to, and you can switch and save with AAA today. So really good stuff all the way around there. Happy to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, uh, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Want to get more into what happened this weekend in Jacksonville with a guy who was there, and a really cool honor for him that we'll take a moment to celebrate as we get rolling here. So a lot to do today. It's Dog Nation Daily, and it's now time for our Classic City Logger Insider Update with the former UGL American John Stinchcomb. Of course, good to have all of you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let me first of all apologize to my good friend John Stinchcomb. I got to be a little mouthy there at the beginning, and so I'm a little late getting to John, and I certainly hate doing that. I want to respect his time. Uh, especially you, John, after you had the weekend that you had. I don't mean to embarrass you, and this is not the world's greatest you know, f- photographic work of art here, but I was in the press box when you were honored on the field before the game. Obviously, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, going to the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame, great shot of you on the video board that I just barely caught. Can we show this on the screen here for folks to see? Uh, John honored on the uh, video board before the uh, game began there as an inductee to the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame. Obviously a great career at UGA and one of many halls of fame that John's in. So there's a, a little snapshot um, there with that, and it's a, a great thing to be able to see. John, congratulations on that great honor and getting the uh, love from the fans before the game began. I know you probably enjoyed your time in Jacksonville as much as anybody. Well, it was a spectacular weekend. So much fun. Connecting with Thomas Davis, just being around the team and – uh, witnessing a, a Georgia performance where the Gators lose. And, uh, you know, it, it, right before half, seeing how truly special this defense can be firsthand was – it just made for a great weekend. Well, I think you're right about that. When you see that score 34-7, to listen, this is not the same kind of Florida team that's been the last couple of years, but part of that's because of what Georgia's done to build up its program. When you see the kind of success that Georgia's having and – There's all kinds of things to get into from a game like this and discussions about where Georgia goes from here. And obviously, Georgia's got bigger things on the horizon than than just what happens against Florida. But I do think it's appropriate to stop and pause and say, wow, that was really fun. I know you had a good time being at the game, good time watching the team play. And 
I just think it's appropriate to stop and say, man, when you beat Florida like that, 34 to 7, that's a pretty good day down there in uh, Jacksonville. And I know you'll join me in saying that. Oh, it was great. It's a great because, you know, Florida, they always want to beat their chest and say that they're uh, always vying for the SEC East, which means you're vying for national relevance. And this year, they, they can't. Uh, stake that same claim. I mean, at best, they were playing spoiler on Saturday, and even even before the game, you could tell there was some trepidation just because there wasn't the same confidence they usually have coming into the game, and, and justifiably so. I, I don't think Florida is where they uh, would like to be, which is exactly where we want them to be. I mean, they, they seemed inferior, and Georgia continued to prove that um, the, the preparation and the work and the recruiting and the development of players that is going on in Athens is creating a divide and, and, and gap between these two programs. And uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the, a contest like we're used to seeing between these two teams because one team was far superior than the other. And listen, you know I'm a fan, John. This game means more to me than any other that Georgia plays during the regular season. When it's only 3 nothing. I'm pretty nervous, and you know I, I can't quite get settled in. You know I'm restless. I'm sh- you know shaking in my chair. I'm you know doing all that kind of stuff. And when you see Georgia step up, make the big plays defensively. Obviously, Nolan Smith comes up with a couple turnovers. You know, Nicobe Dean gets the pick six return for a touchdown. When you see Georgia use the dynamic defense to extend the lead that I think most of us felt like was going to be insurmountable for Florida. Man, what a feeling that was to relax there at that moment and just appreciate what's happening but also a testament to what Georgia's been able to do all season long. And at one point in time, Kirby Smart had said, you know, hey, the one area in which him speaking about his own team saying we haven't been elite is in being able to create those turnovers. Well, obviously on Saturday that was the case. But, you know, best the best teams find a way to finish halves well and start halves well. And to go into the locker room on such a flurry, I don't think anything speaks to the dominance of Georgia more so than the way they finished that first half on Saturday. Yeah, it, it was uh, truly a game-changing series of events. It was a 12 plays that totally shaped that entire game. The offense, you know, had fits and spurts, but nothing really uh, convincing. And you, and you miss a field goal early, and you think, man, we left points on the board, if not uh, seven, at least three. And um, then that flurry from the defense, and you just see why there's this historic relevance with this, with this defensive group that, um, you know, I, I'm in a text group with some of non-Georgia loyalists and folks that are familiar with the game, Jonathan Vilma included, and I, I pose the question, is this defense historically as, as relevant as, as we think it is? And the answer is yes. Now, you know, there's still a lot of a season left to play, but they're in that discussion of is this possibly one of the best defensive groups um, in, in college football? And I think that flurry of plays proves that, you know, that they've got the chops to kind of uh, continue staking their claim for that title. On the other side of the ball, I thought what Zamir White provided George. Now, you know, James Cook also had a rushing touchdown there as well, but this to me is one of White's better games. He obviously caps off the win with a long touchdown there at the end. But even before that, he was getting those good, tough, hard yards. 
think it's fairly obvious that Georgia had seen something on film with what LSU had done to exploit the Florida defense from the rushing side of things a couple of weeks prior, and they really brought that to bear themselves. But I don't think you can say enough about what Zamir White also provided Georgia on the rushing end of things, too. On a day when Georgia needed some rushing yards, Zeus was there to provide them. Yes, and early in the game, I think you saw that Florida was challenging Georgia to do something else. And, you know, when the defense is fresh, um, it's, it's hard to kind of create those gaps and, and creases. And with Zamir, I think he's the, just the style of play that he brings to the game, that uh, tenacity and, and refusal to go down, and he just plays so physical, uh, wears on a defense. Uh, the entire group, um, you know, you just have to keep swinging and throwing those punches. And by the second half, you started to see a lot more of those creases uh, that that Zamir could utilize and and uh, take advantage of. And that's a testament to him. I, yeah, I'm so grateful that, that he and Cook both decided to come back because, you know, it seems like they're taking terms as to which parts of the game that they're able to take over and just provide such a nice one-two punch. And really, you look at the depth of the, the running backs across Georgia's uh, depth chart, and there's a lot of talent there, but uh, there's just something different when Zeus and, and Cook are in the game and what they bring to the table right now. We played some audio earlier of Kirby Smart talking about his willingness to be a tireless recruiter, and that stands in sharp contrast, I believe, to what's happening at Florida right now, where Dan Mullen just hasn't had anywhere near as much success. And you know, John, for me, this is always going to be one of those things I think some people misunderstand in that what it really takes to build the recruiting prowess that Georgia has had. This is not just about a cool social media edit or positioning yourself as the place to be with some sort of clever hashtag or something like that. I mean, there is a lot of infrastructure work that goes on behind the scenes. Georgia has a huge staff of people that help maintain contact with recruits and and there's a process and a procedure that re- that is required to make Georgia as successful as it is. Just getting all those recruits to come to the noon start against Arkansas a few weeks ago is an example of that. That's more than just one phone call to get that done. That's got to be a systemic procedure to to really let those recruits know how valued their presence is and what it's going to take to kind of get them there. And the fact that Kirby is so tireless on that and the fact that does give Georgia such a huge leg up over a rival that's more fun to beat than any other. That's the kind of thing, John, I know you don't. That's the kind of thing that I don't think that Georgia fans should ever take for granted. Yeah, there was a tectonic shift when uh, Coach Smart took over, and the emphasis that was placed on recruiting just took a whole new level of importance. Uh, Every team knows you got to have the Jimmys and Joes to get out there and compete on a national level. And I look back to that first recruiting class that, you know, we, everyone was in awe of, of, you know, we had the number one, at least top three class, depending on which ratings you were looking at. And you're going, wow, this is, you know, this is a special group. And there was a sense from that, from the entire Buttsmere building, but certainly the coaching staff that, you know, this is the new norm. This is the expectation. And I think, uh, those of us on the outside were going, wow, that's that's kind of a bold prediction because this seems so rare. And boy, has the, has their perspective held true that the importance that's placed. And you get the nail on the head. I mean, you, you're talking about uh, the financials, uh, the staff that that has expounded and expanded 
over these years and, and the emphasis that's placed. I think the, the focus to, you know, on, and the details uh, down to the music that's played in the stadium and the uh, experience that, that the recruits have on game day, um, it's all been brought into the, into the light and, and into the focus of how can we make sure that a kid from California or Texas or right in our backyard in Georgia when they come here, they leave going, there's just something different. Um, and you, you put that in, in conjunction with the relationships that are built. Uh, this coaching staff, let's not undermine their ability to coach players, but, man, are they all fantastic recruiters. And I, I think that's what has paid such dividends and created such gaps um, because of their ability to, one, get elite talent into Athens, and, two, continue to develop them once they get there. I think that's exactly right. I want to ask your opinion about the hot topic that also emerges from Saturday, what's going on at quarterback. We'll do that coming up. Let me remind folks, this is our Classic City Logger Insider Update with our true UG insider, John Sinchcom, the former Georgia All-American in the Georgia Florida Football Hall of Fame here this weekend. That was a great thing to be able to see. And, of course, a lot of you enjoying that time around Jacksonville and those Golden Isles, that coastal area this weekend. And if you did, I'm certain you took some Classic City Lager with you. It's Taste of Athens, but you can enjoy it anywhere. It's available 6 and 12-pack cans all year long from wherever it is that you do your shopping. It's a lager-style beer, which means lighter in color. But this is a craft-style lager, which means you've got real, true enjoyable flavor the folks there at creature comforts working hard to make classic city lager taste great when you want that lager style beer but you still want the craft beer influence and all that classic city lager is a great choice it's just good cold beer i like simple things and classic city lager is just simply very good good cold beer pick it up today in six and 12 pack cans check out some classic city lager all right john uh, it's it's certainly a topic of conversation that seems like JT Daniels is now healthy enough that he could have played on Saturday, but he didn't. The guy who did play, Stetson Bennett, probably played his worst game of the season after really being a, a very a, a very valuable piece for Georgia while Daniels wasn't healthy. What do you make of what's currently going on at quarterback right now for UGA? Yeah, and, and I was watching pregame, and it still it looked to me like JT was um, still working on mechanics and, and progressing back in. Uh, you know, what can you tell from, from watching pregame as they warm up? I, I don't know if you can get too deep into it, but it seemed like most of the quarterbacks were going through the normal routine, and JT was a little bit more on a pitch count and a controlled environment. I don't know if pitch count's the right word, but certainly restricted and uh, the progression that the rest of the quarterbacks were, were going through. Um, so maybe there's still more uh, healing to be done. Now that's it's purely speculative based on you know 15 minutes of, of watching the guys warm up before the game. Now once you got into the game, you know I think we saw the the pros and cons that uh, Stetson brings to the table. There's a couple times where a broken play looked like Zamir went the wrong way on an RPO and uh, Stetson with his ability to run converts a first down and, and just a, a broken play that otherwise would have been a, a tackle for a loss and a total loss. So we saw what Stetson's able to do. He can create and he's mobile and you know, you get him into space and, and he can make plays with his feet and, then you also saw some of the, the bad, and you know, with those two interceptions, with safety over the top help, 
I think uh, anybody who could see from above, you're going, ah, why are we, why are we forcing the ball there and um, putting it into danger? I, you know, the intercepting defensive back, if he doesn't make the play, I think that the safety does. So there's just a, a couple uh, plays that you're just going, well, that, that's what makes him great and, and why guys are excited about having Stetson uh, under center. And then there are some plays where you're going, man, that's where you're hoping that when JT Daniels, if, if he's able and he does come back, that uh, you don't suffer those turnovers that you saw on Saturday. I don't want to keep you too long because you're always very generous with your time, but I do want to ask you this. Jeff Sintel on our postgame show on Saturday night, I thought said something pretty well when he said that some people seem to think the question is why is Stetson Bennett playing over JT Daniels, but the real question is probably why isn't JT Daniels playing? And I think there's a distinction between the two. This may not yet be a choice of Bennett over Daniels. It's an evaluation of Daniels, and the belief that I have is this is based on practice, that that somehow Daniels, who was tabbed as the starter before the season began and is not playing as a starter right now, means that something has changed. I think the thing that's changed here is that Daniels has been hurt. I think he's been limited at practice. And, John, given how tireless the rest of this team is working at practice to make themselves the best they can possibly be, then until Daniels is fully healthy to take the reins of this offense completely and unquestioned on the practice field, then it seems like we may see Stetson Bennett. So when you see Bennett struggle, I think a lot of Georgia fans are saying, well, why, is, why is Kirby choosing Bennett over Daniels? But I'm led to believe that what's really going on here is not a choice of Bennett over Daniels. It's an evaluation of Daniels that he's not fully able to give this team everything they thought he could give them before the season began because he hasn't been up until now healthy enough to practice. Is there anything I just said there that you think is factually inaccurate? No, I, I think it's based on what we are seeing and, and what uh, the information that we're getting. Now we can talk about it, and I, I think there's some gamesmanship as to what you're putting, what what the coaches and players want to put out there. You, you want to uh, have defenses try to prepare for both and, uh, not have a, a crystal clear look at, at what you're going to bring to the table on a Saturday. But, you know, I, I think if, if given the situation, if you have two healthy quarterbacks that you feel really confident in that, you know, coming off a of bye week, they have more prepara- preparation and time to understand what's happening. If, if, JT's healthy in that situation. I think it's pretty clear that if it's close, both guys would probably get series. We've seen that at other positions. We've seen that at quarterback this season, where you know they're willing to, to rotate and, and give a series or two um, when the the opportunity dictates. And you didn't see that at all on Saturday. So I think it's probably more a function of health and practice and and. Um, Stetson's rolling, and JT probably hasn't had the ability to uh, get back out there based on the limitations of his injury to really practice at that high level that a healthy Stetson Bennett has and, and building that momentum of being the, the number one guy, what that creates, and the number of reps that you have in practice. There's probably a gap that exists, and it's based on um, – the, the injury, I think that's the deciding factor right now, and it, it's create, created a gap between the two. 
Well, John, I always appreciate your insight on all this. These are obviously hot topics. And even on a day in which Georgia is celebrating a big win, there's also some room to ask some big questions about what comes next. And clearly that question right now for Georgia Senators around that quarterback spot. So I appreciate you letting us kick that around here a little bit. And I know that you'll have a, a great week. We'll look forward to getting a chance to also speak to you very soon. Look forward to it, B.A. Go dogs. Good stuff, John. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I think that's a really interesting uh, topic, and obviously John dives in that pretty well. And I'll just – I know we've talked a lot about this already, so I'll just be brief on my follow-up to that, and then we'll roll on with our cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Like a lot of people are going to, and I think rightly so, say you can't win a national championship with Stetson Bennett playing the way that he did it on Saturday. That very well might be true, that Bennett playing the way that he made, the turnovers and the lack of – with the exception of the Kiaris Jackson touchdown, maybe the the little screen run to you know Brock Bowers, were not a lot of explosive plays offensively for Georgia and too many turnovers, that you might not be able to win a national championship with with Stetson Bennett playing the way that he did on Saturday. You know, we'll have to I guess wait and see, but it seems it seems easy to say that. But let me also kind of conversely say this: Can you win a national championship with JT Daniels playing the way that he did against Clemson? Where I'm going with this is. When you look at the overall what yards per attempt that day, you know he was uh, he was th- uh, thirty attempts for one hundred and thirty five yards. That's that, that's not a great yards per attempt number uh, that day. That's a day in which you know George was forced to throw underneath and forced to to you know kind of take the simpler, shorter throws on all of that. And we don't know how much Daniels' health situation impacted the way that he played, or how much that was impacted by the quality of the Clemson defense or whatever else, but. I think you, in addition to wanting maybe some of you want JT Daniels back playing quarterback, I think you also want the best of Daniels, too. You want the healthiest version of him that allows himself to make every possible throw. I'm not telling you that I know that he couldn't have made those on Saturday, but I do take it seriously when Kirby Smart says, we haven't really seen the full breadth of Daniels at practice as of yet. He's only been back doing that a few, uh, a few days, and continuity dictated Bennett on this past Saturday. I don't think that's a... I don't think that's an inappropriate way to look at this if you are Kirby Smart. There is a luxury that's been earned by Georgia for being good as it has been, dominating all of its points, including Florida again on Saturday, as much as it possibly has. You have the luxury of getting Daniels back to a healthier spot than maybe he's been at any point in time here this year. But Daniels has the responsibility as well of showing this on the practice field, no different than Nolan Smith or Trayvon Walker or anybody else on this Georgia team who goes out and lays it on the line Monday through Friday to get ready to be the guy that's trusted on Saturday. I don't think it's inappropriate to ask that of Daniels the same way you're asking that of every other Georgia player right now. So I'm sure that'll be plenty more of discussion about that as we roll through the week. But for now, let's roll through the SEC. In fact, let's cruise around the SEC courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously at some point in time, there's going to be a great time for celebrating a wonderful season coming to a close for Georgia. You hope it ends with the greatest championship of all. But at the very least, when the grind of the season's done, a lot of folks are thinking about vacation time. When you're thinking about getting away yourself, a Royal Caribbean cruise is the uh, decision that you want to make there. Royal Caribbean chips are back on the seas once again. And listen, no one quite does vacations quite like Royal Caribbean because they just take care of every detail. They make it as fun as can possibly be. And if you've never tried one before, Port Canaveral, which is just a short drive from where I'm sitting here in our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. Port Canaveral is a great place to go for your first Royal Caribbean cruise because you can take one of those three or four night sailings. A Mariner of the Seas is a great ship that goes out of Port Canaveral, and they've got, you know, a recently amplified ship, which means 
There's some new bells and whistles. It's it's newer, nicer than it's ever been before. It's a great, great opportunity. And plus, those uh, three and four night sailings leaving for the Bahamas out of uh, Port Canaveral, they do go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, that cool private island that has the thrill side with the water slides and the helium balloon, the chill side with the private cabanas and everything else. Really enjoy yourself a Royal Caribbean uh, vacation and a Royal Caribbean cruise if you have not before. And to book your cruise with an expert, trust our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. Two UG alumni. Uh, they run the place. They know Royal Caribbean backwards and forwards. So check them out online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. That's the website. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. Once again, that number, 770-952-8300. And a friendly voice will reach you on the other side of that here today. All right, as we uh, roll through the SEC here, let's bounce through some scores. First of all, the team that Georgia plays on Saturday, Missouri, did escape against Vanderbilt this past weekend. They won 37-28, but it was not a good showing for a Missouri team. It's really been awful all year long, and you probably saw the early point spread for Georgia. 39 was the opening line for Georgia against Missouri. Can you believe that? An SEC game against a team that a, that a year ago, I think Georgia only by, what, a 14-point favorite on the road or something like that? Now, 39 uh, here at home for Georgia against Missouri. The big story outside of the cocktail party was what Auburn did, and we predicted this around here we thought Auburn would take care of business in fact we actually even predicted Bo and you may have heard this in SEC Country Live this past week and I think I said this on our show on Thursday as well that we predicted Bo Nix to have a big moment against Matt Corral that also came true as well it's a long season 12 games and you have narratives emerge and change over the course of that time and the the narrative is kind of moving back in the direction of Nix here as the season rolls along struggled early got benched against Georgia State obviously was kind of the butt of jokes there at the time but he's really settled in nicely. And all of a sudden, Brian Harson very quietly is putting together a very impressive first year at Auburn. I think right now that Brian Harson's got to be in consideration for SEC Coach of the Year. And getting that win against Ole Miss was a big deal for Auburn. And don't forget, Auburn Texas A&M's pretty big game on Saturday. So big that in fact uh, CBS didn't pick up the uh, uh, didn't pick up the Alabama LSU game for the first time in forever. That game is not going to be on CBS. CBS got first choice, chose the uh, Texas A&M-Auburn game. By the way, Georgia got noon again. I can't believe how many noon games the number one team in the country is going to end up playing, but that's the story there once again on that. But uh, Auburn and Texas A&M get the big spot. And all of a sudden, you know, Auburn has a chance to, I mean, that's a team that still plays Alabama at the end of the year. Right now, Auburn's playing some pretty good football, so keep that in mind. I tell you, one of the things I turned out to be very wrong about is Kentucky going on the road. Now, we said going into that game that that point spread was awful fishy. I thought Kentucky should have been a bigger favorite there. By the time the game actually kicked off, the line had swung to the point that old Miss, that the Mississippi State was the favorite, and you see why that is. They end up winning 31-17, and I thought this game set up really well for Kentucky. They had the off week after Georgia, get a chance to get healthier. They really had a lot to play for, a chance to be 11-1 and with a very manageable schedule the rest of the way, and you could say, well, the only game we lost was a game against Georgia that was ultimately closer than the experts thought it would be. To me, that gave Kentucky a lot to play for. And yet defensively, they had no answer for Will Rogers on Saturday. And for all the praise that was once out there for Liam Cohen and what he was doing with Will Levis in particular at quarterback for the Wildcats, all of a sudden Levis has just turned into just a guy. I mean, he's, if anything, he's a substandard SEC quarterback now after at one point in time thinking he was going to be the quarterback that helped usher in a modern age offensively for Kentucky. Right now, Levis is struggling, and if Joey Gatewood was still in that program, they might not even turn to Gatewood, but Gatewood's obviously transferred out. He's uh, on his way to UCF. But for all the love that Will Levis got at the beginning of the year, 
that's kind of gone away for now. And I, I thought that Kentucky, you know, number 12 team in the country going into the game, I thought they got a real bad loss at Mississippi State on Saturday, getting handled as easily as they did. A couple other things nationally, and we'll just do this kind of quick here for a moment. Obviously, what Mel Tucker's doing at Michigan State's phenomenal right now. There's a chance that this week, when it comes out, the number one team in the country is going to be Georgia. The number two team just behind Georgia may be its former defensive coordinator, Mel Tucker, at Michigan State, after Michigan State beat Michigan again. They've completely changed the dynamic in that rivalry. We talked about this on Go With The Flow last week. It used to be big brother, little brother. Well, Michigan State's not playing like a little brother in that rivalry at all anymore. Uh, Cincinnati struggled a little bit against Tulane. The problem for Cincinnati in their playoff case, they've got the big win. They won at Notre Dame, and that win really matters. But they're not dominating American Athletic Competition right now, American Athletic Conference competition right now, as well as they could. I think that hurts their playoff argument to a huge, huge degree. There's also a very big controversy brewing. And we'll see how the playoff selection committee handles this. So at one point in time, it was accepted that Ohio State could be ranked ahead of Oregon because while Oregon got the head-to-head win, Ohio State was playing better. They're just beating everybody by 50 points. Ohio State kind of struggled with Penn State a little bit on Saturday. Yeah, if you looked at the human polls, AP poll included, Ohio State still rated ahead of an Oregon team that beat it. And you can't really point to the pretty scores as the reason why anymore because uh, Ohio State didn't have quite such a pretty score against a Penn State team that had lost to Illinois the previous week. There is a wild level of incongruity sometimes in these polls. And in this particular case, I mean, I, I, th- I think I kind of understand where some of the folks arguing for Oregon are coming from here. I mean, in my mind, do I believe that Ohio State's the better team with Oregon? And if they played again, do I think Ohio State would probably win? I guess I probably do. I certainly look, look at them as the more talented team. But at a certain point, head-to-head's got to matter. If you're not going to say head-to-head matters, then what are we really doing here? So there's a little bit of a controversy brewing there. It'll be interesting to see how the committee handles this. Do they? Because well, when the college football playoff top 25 comes out for the first time this week, do they give Oregon the nod over Ohio State? I would say right now, that's the justifiable decision. Uh, what else matters? Pit loss. So that's a, a bad blow for an ACC that was hoping for a kind of a pit Wake Forest uh, ACC championship with maybe an undefeated against a one-loss team. Notre Dame keeps right on rolling along, by the way. Only lost to Cincinnati. For the most part, they're actually not playing bad football. Uh, we told you about Ohio State escaping against Penn State, a game that was closer than the experts thought it would be. Is there anything else worth mentioning from the weekend that was? I guess that's about it. So, obviously setting the stage for Georgia to be number one in the first college football playoff top 25 rankings and still lots of debate ongoing for who those teams are that join Georgia right now as the most likely playoff teams. I would say it's easy to pencil in Oklahoma there right now. It's easy to pencil in Big Ten champ right now, even if I'm not quite so sure that Big Ten champ's going to be. I think Oregon's starting to make their argument for that look a little bit more convincing. The ACC, in my mind, with due respect to Wake Forest, has all been eliminated. I just don't think that Wake Forest gets the nod over anybody. As I said before, I think Cincinnati's issue is the fact they're not quite getting those dial-a-score, eye-popping wins against their own AAC competition right now. So I think the playoff discussion around Georgia is pretty interesting. And as I said before, I also think the way that Alabama handles the rest of its business in the SEC West is going to be worth paying attention to, too. As long as they keep winning, everything is simple there. But, boy, let Alabama trip up one more time and you start talking about tiebreakers and crazy stuff going on. It could get 
pretty interesting in the SEC West before it's all said and done if Alabama were to lose its focus against any of the teams it has remaining on its schedule. So that'll be worth paying attention to. We'll make that your SEC through. Let me also give a shout-out to my friends at Marco's Pizza. I will tell you this. We had a huge Halloween party in our neighborhood yesterday. It was kind of funny. I walked in. I mean, I literally got back from Jacksonville and then went home and threw on my Braves jersey and uh, just walked right over to the Halloween party. When I walk in the door of the clubhouse in our neighborhood, you got just these stacks of Marco's Pizza kids just 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 chowing into the sausage and the pepperoni and the cheese and everything else. So we were well represented with Marco's Pizza in our neighborhood yesterday, and folks are having a great time with all of that. And the reason why is because when you feed a bunch of people, Marco's Pizza is a great price. It's also a great taste there as well. Everybody in my neighborhood, I can promise you, loves that. You can even get a large one-topping pizza for $9.99. So you can't beat that. That's good savings. And you can go to Marco's app, download that if you have it, or uh, marcos.com on the web, and you can place your order today. Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers, get it. So we will do a ton of Gator-themed, Gator-hater-themed golden shoes over the course of the next few days. We're going to be celebrating this like crazy. But as I told you off the show, off the top of the show, I'm a little bit worse for the wear today, a little bleary-eyed after three World Series games, a high school game, and a Georgia-Florida coming up on Saturday. So I'm just thankful I even found my way into the studio here today. So let me do one golden shoe for today, and we'll do a bunch more as we roll through the week. And I had a great moment on yesterday. And this is going to be a free plug, but I love Bucky's. I know a lot of you do is there as well. So I got a chance to stop and get some Bucky's lunch on the way home. Nothing better than celebrating a cocktail party win with a couple of uh, barbecue sandwiches from uh, from Bucky's. I also ran into a couple of great uh, uh, Georgia fans. Atomic Dog 6 on Twitter. Says it was cool seeing uh, Dog Nature Daily coming back from Jacksonville. So they had been watching Dog Nature Daily in their condo. So it was great to see them. Good Georgia fans. Always fun to be able to do that. And a uh, good chance to have some fun. That was good stuff. So Golden Shoe there. How about a fresh Gator Hater countdown? 362 days. Dogs go back to Jacksonville again. And get ready to beat those lousy, stinking Gators. I can't wait for that. And it's fun to start the countdown all over again. Fun to see Eddie doing this with us, too. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. And first of all, my deepest apologies, because I know we haven't done this in a while. We have been transitioning to a new studio, and we have been just really pretty crazy with all that. Not an excuse, just telling you. Uh, what has been going on here but the podcast cool down now and return so we're gonna get the show posted dognation.com today so hit me up on twitter at dognation daily or your comments as well in the comment section i know it's been a few weeks since we've done this but if you'll remember when we post the show at dognation.com if you scroll down to the bottom of the post there's a spot there for you to put your comments in so you can talk quarterbacks you can talk went over florida you can talk the look ahead to the playoff picture for uga Anything you want to related to UJ football, you can just bring up something completely off the topic if you want to. The podcast cooldown is returning, and so it'll be a part of our show now moving forward once again from our brand new studio now that we're kind of settled in and we've made ourselves at home here. So I'll look forward to doing that with you tomorrow, and I'll give you some time to get those comments in there. We'll look forward to reading those. And, of course, uh, thanks for R.S. Andrews making this possible. Of course, you can find them online rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. That website, once again, rsandrews.com. So we'll see you back here tomorrow for our podcast cool down presented by RS Andrews. I'll look forward to reading your comments. Hope you enjoyed the George win against Florida. And I certainly uh, li- appreciate you listening to today's show. So we'll talk to you then, everybody.